Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the ETF show, hosted by myself, Tom Bailey, II's ETF's editor. So today we're joined by Howie Lee, who's the head of ETFs at Legal and General Investment Management, or LGIM, where he leads the development and growth of their ETF business. And today we're going to discuss thematic ETFs. So Howie, thanks for joining. Thanks, Tom. Good morning. So uh, to start, um, we'll, we'll start some history. So where, when, and how did the idea of thematic investing with ETFs first emerge? Uh, certainly from our perspective, uh, it all started off with a robotics product that we were working on uh, well over eight years ago. And what we wanted to deliver to investors was the access to the technologies that were being developed in the robotics and automation space. Uh, and what quite interestingly, it's, it was very hard back then for investors to say, you know what, I want to buy a portfolio of stocks made up of um, robotic stocks and it just you just couldn't find it. And so actually, that's where the idea started from. And so kind of th- this is where the difference between thematic and sector investing kind of often gets mixed up because you could kind of uh, maybe view robotics if oh, it's not an official sector. You could view that kind of as a, as a sector play. But you obviously have taken a very different approach to this. And this is under the, under the thematic umbrella. So maybe you could explain the difference between these often two confused things, thematic and sector investing. Yeah, Tom, that's such a great question because we, we do get that question a lot. And actually, one of the most common questions over the past seven years or so that we would get from investors is, hey, is this a, is this a tech stock or, or is this a tech portfolio? And, and really, what, what this is, is completely different from a, a sector uh, portfolio. If you think about traditional sectors, and these are pretty well defined in the world of finance, whether you know, you're talking about consumers or you're talking about utilities or you're talking about tech, these are established businesses that have been around for a while. You've got researchers at investment banks doing research on these sectors already. So actually, people know how to classify them. People know how to value them. Thematic stocks, on the other hand, are something completely different. We are actually looking forward as to you know, what's being disrupted, uh, how our um, society and the way that we live our lives is, is being shaped. And these are essentially the new economies. And these new economies aren't classified um, so easily at the moment. So it's not like you can go into onto the internet or onto a Bloomberg terminal and say, well, find me some robotic stocks or cybersecurity stocks. Or another example would be e-commerce logistics stocks. Uh, this very much requires deep analysis and research into this new economy and then to develop a classification ourselves in which uh, investors can then invest in in a single investment um, into a kind of very focused portfolio of these themes. I mean, so could you envision maybe one day, like the thematic ETFs of today will some, in some way in the future, represent the sectors of the future? So while there's no e-commerce sector such yet, it's kind of classed under various things. You know, in, in, in a few decades' time, that could be, be a sector in of itself. Yeah, you know, Tom, I couldn't have said it better. The sectors of the future, uh, that's really what we're, we're aiming to be able to provide. Now, do we think that this is going to be, you know, 10, 15 years down the road when these sectors are officially recognized? It could be a little bit faster. Um, you can imagine the rate, uh, the pace of change because of digitalization and technologies have accelerated many things. But I think that kind of time frame is, is, is pretty accurate. Uh, if you look at the various themes that we um, offer, uh, 10 of them at the moment, you know, this is very much capturing at different points of their development, but all of them are you know, pre, before they've been defined as an official sector. And very much we are trying to give investors the themes or the sectors of tomorrow today. 
This this idea of a uh, sex of tomorrow actually kind of leads leads into my next question because there's been a lot of coverage lately about the liquidity risk of some thematic ETFs. So in order to capture these kind of these sex of tomorrow or the themes, indices of in, uh, sorry indices often end up um, kind of being constructed in, in for thematic portfolios with relatively small basket or very small mid cap stocks because it's obviously they're still in, in development. Um, there's lots of growth ahead. So but the problem with this obviously is if the theme gets popular. That leads to a lot of money coming into a handful of small stocks. Uh, I was wondering if you could explain this issue and then what ETF providers such as yourself do to protect against this, against this risk. Yeah, if you don't mind, I might just start going into a bit of detail here, Tom. Sure, sure. And you know, what I will first say is that there are various ways to do thematic investing, uh, and we've seen more um, kind of asset managers come into the market taking slightly different approaches. Now, let's just put um, the whole concept of ETF aside for a time being and just think about how an investment strategy is created. Um, you know, you, you, you hear people talk about the difference between active and index-based or passive. Um, and I suppose certainly what Elgym is doing here in the thematic ETFs is a blend of both, uh, where a lot of what people would define as active, it's discretionary portfolios. Um, somebody is sitting there making an active choice and choosing which stocks to buy. Um, and when you take a look at those portfolios, they tend to be a bit more concentrated in general, uh, more concentrated towards certain names. So there is definitely a kind of bias towards certain stocks. Um, and that's done, that, that choice is made on a discretionary basis. We've also seen um, more traditional kind of index-based approaches where um, you know, they are trying to capture the, uh, the, the uh, I suppose, the theme itself. But in terms of the weighting portfolio, sometimes it is indeed um, overweighting certain names. And I suppose that's where you've got to really watch out for concentration risks. The broad approach that Elgin takes is, first and foremost, is to recognize and understand that at this point in time, it's, it, it's, there are no clear winners yet. Because there are many companies contributing to building out this new economy and the whole ecosystem around it. And having a very diversified approach in exposing yourself to these contributors to this new economy is what we see as paramount. So what we're essentially targeting is the growth of that particular theme rather than the fortunes or misfortunes of any single company. And so when you start with a broad, equally weighted approach, um, that's how we diversify the risk. We also believe it's absolutely okay to be focused. You know, we've seen many active strategies in the past where you know the, the portfolios are a little bit more concentrated, call it 30 to 40 stocks. Um, whereas traditionally ETFs, people see them as, you know, if you're looking at the FTSE 100, that's 100 companies, or the 250, that's 250 companies, or using the S&P 500, the US equity benchmark as an example, that's 500 companies. Four themes that remain focused um, towards what we're trying to um, provide growth for, then actually a focused portfolio is fine. But the important thing from our perspective is active research to choose the right companies to build out that new universe, to use that kind of expert um, knowledge that we have working together with dedicated experts to define and classify that new economy. And then, of course, we are trying to provide near equal weight exposure to these companies. We might tweak the weighting a little bit, but 
Again, we're trying to give exposure to a broad set of opportunities contributing to the theme, but being very aware of liquidity. So we'll have liquidity thresholds to make sure they're traded at least of a certain amount on a daily basis. We'll also have size constraints to make sure that we're not holding companies um, that are too small. But we'll also want to put shareholding caps so that you know, we're not owning too much of a company. And all this leads to a very dynamic strategy that is able to give focused exposure, but still manage to um, balance that requirement of liquidity uh, for an open invested investment fund, such as these thematic ETFs. So um, Elgin recently launched uh, a new ETF, uh, FMASC ETF, the Hydrogen Economy ETF. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, the Hydrogen uh, ETF is actually a continuation of our uh, range of thematic funds. And we also have a, a range of funds, which I'll classify as within the green or the clean energy space. Um, and actually within this group, it's a trio. So hydrogen makes up that third component that we've just recently launched. It started off with our battery um, technology fund, which really is to design to capture the energy storage space. So as we move from a fossil fuel presence to a much greener um, alternative clean energy future, storage solutions are paramount. And that's probably what's missing um, in that space today. And so there's plenty of growth opportunities there. The second element that we launched uh, last year was very much on the clean energy space. So, you know, think of alternative energy that's more popular, such as wind and solar, but also other more innovative areas where it's about the generation of energy. Um, and we've kept those separate because actually it's, they, 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 whilst they're completely connected, in the way that they build out the ecosystem, uh, the, the focus and also the valuations of those um, part, different kind of parts of the clean energy space um, kind of deserves a dedicated attention. Now, hydrogen came in as a third component that actually covers both the generation and the storage space, specific hydrogen. Uh, and we did it separately because we wanted to give investors the ability to manage the risk. When you compare hydrogen with let's say um, uh, solar or wind, which is a bit more established, there are it is an earlier stage um, investment, and therefore it is susceptible to a bit more volatility, a lot more investment going in, and the revenues are aren't as strong as some of those um, those areas, other areas that I talked about. However, as we see the transition from what's called the grey hydrogen economy to the the, the greener one. Uh, where the generation of hydrogen comes from clean sources, that's where a huge growth potential is there. There's lots of regulatory focus, lots of private investment going into that space. And these companies that we've extracted are really those who are um, you know, engaged in that space, building technologies in that space, and aiming and growing revenue in that space. But it is an early um, stage investment. And therefore, that's why we wanted to give investors a way to increase or decrease the amount of hydrogen exposure they have from a clean energy fund. And when you look at other funds in the market, we see hydrogen is just kind of integrated in there. Whereas in, 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 in doing it the way that we have, we allow investors to control the risk based on their appetite. So, so one thing that um, has stood out about the hydrogen economy ETF uh, in some of the kind of press attention has been the inclusion of some traditional car makers. Uh, and some have kind of, kind of called this kind of, these stocks padding in the ETF. How would you respond to that? 
Sure. Um, I think it's really important to understand why companies are in there for in the first place. So yes, you've picked up there are some car companies in our hydrogen fund. And actually, there are some car companies in our battery um, technology fund as well. And the reasons why uh, these companies are in there is because they are contributing to the energy storage space, but also in this case, contributing to the hydrogen space. So let's touch on, you know, when we did our battery technology fund a few years back as to why it was important to include um, car companies. Now, this is not to include car companies that essentially were building electric vehicles, right? We see more and more push towards electric vehicles. And with every electric vehicle, it, of course, needs battery storage. Now, there are many companies that actually just buy in their um, batteries. Those aren't the companies that you want because they're users of that technology rather than contributors or enablers of those technologies. Um, you also don't want to include companies which are just building the batteries for themselves and not actually using it to share amongst the economy. They're not enabling the economy to a wider scale. So it's really important to pick companies which are both developing batteries in-house and then selling it elsewhere. And so there is a number of companies included. Everyone knows Tesla, but actually there are other companies that are doing very much the same thing. Now, when you look at hydrogen, it's very much a, a similar thought process. We indeed have four car companies. Um, you know, Daimler uh, it, it is also both in our battery technology as well as in our hydrogen, um, uh, hydrogen uh, portfolio. Um, as is Hyundai, as is Toyota, as is Waichai in, Chi in China. And these are companies which are building hydrogen fuel cell technologies themselves. They're using it downstream in, and selling these into um, their buses and their trucks. So hydrogen is very much looking at kind of mass, kind of long range transport. And, and, and of course, they're marketing these um, technologies and these vehicles. Uh, and they're not just in the pilot phase. They are actually selling them right now, and so they have, and that's why they are eligible for for inclusion into our portfolio. So think of it as enablers. That that's the that's the key point here. I see. Um, is there any other exciting thematic ETFs at Elgin you want to tell us about? <laughs> well, we've got a few right um, already, and you know we we constantly have things under development. But if you look at how we've approached the space today. You know, we, we, we've got um, a, a set of products which are certainly focused on the digital elements of our economy. So that's cybersecurity, robotics, and artificial intelligence. I covered um, a lot of our focus on kind of the green energy side, um, you know, touching on both battery and uh, clean energy generation and hydrogen. But of course, we have other things um, that we, we've seen. And, and you know, e-commerce logistics was an area that we got into um, a few years back when we recognized that there was a change in consumer behavior. People were buying things from online rather than from shops. And this actually disrupted how goods were delivered. And of course, during the pandemic, logistics uh, had, would come front and center as to where the growth and development needed to be. So we'll continue with that frame of mind. Um, so there's lots around the infrastructure of how our economy runs. Logistics, as I mentioned, is one component of it. And there's more to do for us in that area. The other side of it is, um, you know, very much in the environmental side. Uh, we touched on the clean energy space, uh, but there's things to do, for, uh, certainly from our perspective, in terms of being sustainable uh, and also just considering the environment. And we'll very much be taking that approach in both our focused thematic portfolios. 
but also in our broader set of ETFs that we offer. I think if I had to um, you know, summarize for your listeners you know, our way of thinking, we are looking for those new economies. We are looking for how those new economies are going to be accelerated by technology and digitalization. We are also looking at how those economies are going to help us further a much more sustainable future. And that impact that that will have um, will be a key focus of ours when we're building out new things. So I hope to be able to uh, tell you more in the future, Tom, but I think that's all I can say for now. I mean, coming up with uh, thematic ETFs always seems like quite a fun thing to do. Uh, I'm sure everyone's had a, had a think for themselves of what thematic ETFs they'd like to see. So I want you to walk us through the process of how a thematic ETF kind of goes from being an idea in someone's head um, to being available on II. Such a good question. Um, if you think about how technology, um, not technology, sorry, investments normally happen, most people talk about you know individual stocks that they read about or are excited about. Or they just talk about how, you know, a certain economy is doing well. Oh, we think the UK economy is going to rebound this year um, after Brexit. And obviously, we, we've got a huge momentum from the, um, the, the, the vaccine for the pandemic. So, you know, people think of it from a regional uh, basis. But actually, more and more, um, people are also thinking about, well, what are the trends which are shaping our future? That conversation used to start from sectors first. So tech. Healthcare and predominantly, we'll still see that. But where how themes start is when people start to pick up, or we start to recognize where a new economy is shaping up, or a change in personal or um, kind of industrial behavior or corporate behavior, and that's really where the ideas start. Um, there are many ideas that uh, come to fore where people speak to us and say, "Hey, you know, would you, have you, would you do an ETF in this?" And this, is, this happened five, six years ago when someone said to us, hey, do you guys have a lithium ETF? And we say, well, why do you want uh, exposure to lithium? And you start digging into further, and it's not really the material they're after. It's actually our all around energy and battery storage. And of course, that discussion just, um, evolves around. So it's not just lithium. It's anything that is essentially used as a um, you know, for storage power or storage density. So today it might be lithium, tomorrow might be something else. So trying to pick up on what people are really thinking uh, and also where the experts are steering us towards is first and foremost, the focus. It's very easy to be clouded by um, what some people would call fads. Um, these fads are things that are popular now, but may not have longevity. And so it's very much our job to really set out well, where is the long-term position of this? Um, the fad might just actually be something to, to, to shine your light on to understand what's triggering this, but actually we need to open it up uh, to a much longer timescale. So from our perspective, it's understanding you know, what that long-term theme is. And if we see that there's a multi-year growth opportunity there, and that growth opportunity in our perspective has to be at a compound annual growth rate of ex in excess of 10%. Then we need to make sure that that's not only supported by external expert research, but we want to look for dedicated experts to help us understand that space, classify this so-called new economy, and help us handpick these companies that we can then put into a portfolio. 
once we've classified it and once we've handpicked them into the universe and put them in, into the portfolio, then we want to make sure that we do what we do best um, is you know, put it into an investment, a transparent investment methodology. We ensure that it's liquid. We ensure that it's a, a, of a certain size that we can make this scalable. Um, and we also keep a very close touch to how these companies are doing. And so that's essentially how the thinking around a portfolio starts. And then we deliver it and put it into an investment wrapper such as the ETF. And, and this whole process is dynamic, right? So if there are new companies coming in because of acquisitions or IPOs, they'll come in. If they are no longer relevant because they're losing their leadership space or they're not generating the revenue that they should be, then they'll come out. Um, but the important thing is, is that you know once you create these portfolios, they don't stand still. You have to keep um, you know, researching the space, evaluating the space, and also evolving the way that the portfolio is put together. We just choose to do this in a transparent way. And we also choose this to, uh, to put it in an ETF because anyone that can buy a single stock can also buy an ETF. You mentioned obviously trying to avoid fads uh, and it kind of brings me to kind of the next question because you know there's this idea that uh, thematic ETFs and, and sector-based ones too um, often kind of bubble prone because you know they have a compelling narrative uh, and then obviously a, an easy means for which investors to to buy the the, the stocks or the assets and this is kind of always kind of what, what drives historically bubbles is a you know a compelling narrative and an and easy way to invest so how do you kind of think of this and try and avoid it yeah so you you have to look at the long term right the, the reason why things can be bubble prone Tom is because people are thinking well you know, let's let's look at the space. Um, and regardless of, you, you know, what's, um, what this company is made of, um, let's just go ahead and invest in that. Uh, your due diligence needs to happen in these companies. You need to understand not just what's driving the revenue today, because that's not everything. It's also how they're investing into their company and how they're structuring into the company. And so, you know, we educate ourselves both not just in the kind of the public sector where the stocks are listed, but also the thinking and the investment that's happening in the private space as well. Um, so valuations, interestingly enough, people would say that a lot of these um, tech-focused areas or tech-enabled areas of themes, the valuations are looking higher than they would expect in tech, um, in, in technology, let's say stocks. But again, this is a new economy where quite often some of these Businesses, let's take cybersecurity businesses, for example, they are subscription-based businesses, which are hugely scalable with a low cost base. So when you've got a different business model, you can't actually attach the same thinking around valuations. What you can do, of course, is track that these companies are continuing their momentum, their sales growth, their investment, and their market share leadership. Um, but the best way to defend yourself against these bubbles is Pick a theme that the investor believes has a long-term future and understands that. Pick a manager or an asset manager that thinks about this, both from an active um, kind of research frame of mind, but also one that is not trying to pick the winner. I think that's where the bubbles can happen. Everyone tries to follow the big stock that is doing wonderful things for the last few years. And we've seen how the momentum can drive the price of Tesla up and down. You know, when we have a Tesla in our portfolio, it tends to be, say, anywhere around 3 4% weight. I mean, that's a very small proportion to what um, we see in a lot of other portfolios. And so it's capture the growth across the entire economy rather than focusing on the fortunes or, 
unfortunately, some misfortunes of a single company. So that's the best way to, um, to approach it in our view. Uh, and that's another way to diversify yourself to ensure that you're not caught in those bubbles that tend to be focused around particular stocks. So there's all sorts of kind of stats coming out about um, the increased amounts of assets under management in informatic ETFs. So it's become very popular uh, lately. Where do you see informatic ETF investing in, in, in 10 years time? What big trends are, are on the horizon, even near or far? Yeah, so this growth, I certainly don't think is um, going to slow down anytime soon. And because if you look at the grand scheme of things, thematic stocks or thematic portions of people's portfolios still make up a very small amount. Um, you know, investments into themes is pales in comparison when you look at global trackers or index trackers like S&P 500, the FTSE 100 or the Eurostock 600. Much more money continues to flow into those type of companies. Now, when you take a diversified approach like we do, and we try to pick unique stocks and unique allocations where investors can hold both our thematic portfolios, as well as those other um, kind of building blocks that we mentioned um, on the regional equities, that means that you know, there's capacity for investors to stay you know, focused on um, equity investment but still diversify you know, how they invest. And we've seen, we've seen that a lot actually in the last three or four years. And I know your readership are very um, strong uh, in, in their ability to manage their own portfolios. Uh, but alongside you know, perhaps what's actually quite useful color is even the professionals um, on the um, wealth management side where they're essentially taking decisions on behalf of investors. You know, we see more and more an increase of thematic portfolio usage. Um, you know, I would say on average is probably hovering around the 5% mark, but looking forward into 10 years, we can see that increasing to 10, maybe even 15%. So it is a component in investing that is certainly growing. But the other side that's hugely interesting is that um, I think this is where your um, kind of listeners are probably even more advanced is you know, they, they think the, about the world on a global scale and actually probably hold portfolios themselves based on um, a, a, a global set of um, stocks. And what we've started to see in the evolution towards is rather than thinking about which country is going to do better one year versus the next, people are starting to buy a combination of global portfolios that they have high conviction in. So let's say high conviction in clean energy high conviction in the future of cybersecurity, high conviction in um, e-commerce logistics, and then building global portfolios that way that have a multi-year ability to run and grow uh, and actually just putting their entire portfolio um, in such a manner. Um, you know, me personally, for example, that's certainly how I see the world um, in my own personal investments, uh, in my ISAs, et cetera. Et cetera. That, that's exactly how I see the world. Um, I don't have time personally to be um, looking at individual stocks and managing it in my own portfolio. And so the best way I can do it is have high conviction in uh, long-term themes. And I'm really just looking for portfolios that can enable that for me. Great. Thank you, Howie. That, that was very interesting. And uh, thank you for everyone uh, for listening. Uh, please like and subscribe. And of course, you can find loads more investment insights and ideas at ii.co.uk. I'll be back next month for another episode of the ETF show. Bye for now.